Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. You enter your email to see your results, and it takes you to a landing page with your results. And then we also have an email sequence set up for each one. Hey, my name is Felix. I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each week, we learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs like you. In this episode, you'll learn how to make sure your brand's messaging is crystal clear, what specific questions to ask when getting product feedback, and why you want to find an influencer that has a blog instead of just a social media profile. Today, I'm joined by Bethany McDaniel from Primally Pure. Primally Pure is an all-natural, 100% non-toxic skincare line offering safe and effective products. It was started in 2012 and based out of Temecula, California. Welcome, Bethany. Hey, Felix. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excited to have you on. So tell us about where the idea behind this business came from. Yeah, so it actually started a few years before I began the company, and my husband and his family just kind of out of nowhere started a natural beyond organic livestock farm. So they were just kind of trying to figure out how to raise chickens, cows, um, lamb, pork in the most healthful, um, you know, humane, responsible way possible. And they were reading all kinds of books and watching YouTube videos and just learning as much as they could. No one in their family has a farming background. They just kind of did this on a whim. And so Along with that, our whole family, my husband has a really big family, and we all kind of got on this natural living kick. And we started cleaning up our diets and what we were eating. And then kind of the next step for me was looking at the products I was using and just evaluating whether or not I should continue using these just conventional products I had used for my entire life from the drugstore or um, if I should be looking into other options. So... I started just making super simple swaps. I was using coconut oil as a moisturizer. I, instead of deodorant, was using coconut oil mixed with baking soda. And I would put them in little honey jars like that you get from restaurants. I would, I had saved some of those and would put coconut oil in one and baking soda in one. And I would just kind of dab them on my armpits in the morning. And I was trying to get my husband to do the same thing and adopt the same method. And he wasn't crazy about the idea of touching his armpits and dabbing things on and all of that. And he was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I decided I had to try to figure out how to put that in a stick form. And so that's kind of what got me going and why I started formulating products. It was just like a fun mm -hmm. hobby for me. And I really wanted my husband to start using natural deodorant. And I just thought I would give it a go. So yeah. Yeah. What, what's your background? How did you know how to create these kind of products? Oh, man. I mean, I don't have a background in chemistry or anything like that. I actually majored in communications and minored in creative writing in college and got a job writing for a magazine shortly after I graduated and then another job working for Special Olympics after that. So pretty random. Um I didn't have any kind of background in this sort of thing, but the experience that I had in writing and communications and all of that has definitely helped with starting and growing a business. Mm 
Now, what about the brand name? How did you guys come up with that? Well, my husband's farm name is Primal Pastures. So I still remember we were all sitting around, I think it was on Easter one year, and we were brainstorming names for the farm, all like 20 of us. And just my brother-in-law was on GoDaddy searching for to see if different domains were available, and we landed on Primal Pastures. And then when I started formulating these products, um, I was kind of involved with our family farm at the time. I... We actually, so let me back up a little bit. Sure. Um, when my family started that farm, it was shortly after my husband and I got married, and it was just kind of a small hobby farm to begin with. So Jeff and I had moved to Arizona. We had job offers out there for, to Arizona from California. And then, so we were working at our jobs. He was a teacher. I was working at Special Olympics. And we were getting to the point with the farm where it was just growing and becoming a real business. And we were driving back and forth so often that eventually we just decided to quit our jobs and move back to California to really try to get this farm off the ground. So the farm was really kind of the basis for everything. And those were, I mean, I was doing writing blog posts for the farm. I was kind of just in the circle of, influencers that we were that the farm was working with and communicating with them regularly so I wanted the the skincare products to be super connected with the farm because Mm. I never really intended for it to become a big business of its own I was just kind of going to start selling them on the farm's website and so with that in mind I wanted it to be super connected and primarily pure is what we landed on Got it. So you wanted to first just start selling them on the the farm's website. What was that inflection point where you realized that this is going to become possibly bigger than than the the farm and actually should be its own business? Yeah. Well, I mean, in the very beginning, I didn't even plan on selling them at all. I was just totally doing it as a hobby. And eventually, after we had quit our jobs and moved to California, we were all living in a house together, like my husband and I, his parents, his sister and her husband and their son, and then his other sister, we were all living together in this house and it was not a big house. So, I mean, we had all kind of quit our jobs and just didn't have a lot of money. And Jeff at the time was like, okay, you need to start selling these products that you're making and earning a little bit of an income. And he was like, I want you to have the goal of bringing in $500 a month. And I thought he was crazy. I thought that there was no way that anyone that that many people would want to buy these products but he eventually pushed me enough that I started selling them on the website and was super surprised to find that people actually were interested in them and wanted to buy them and then I've just kind of started running with it and I think it was I started selling on their website in February of 2012 and then in I think July of 2012 is when I moved everything over to a new website just for Primally Pure. So you said that you were just doing it as a hobby and then you had this goal, there was a goal set for you to to try to hit the $500 a month. <laughs> At that time, yep. you just, okay, now I got to try to take this more seriously. What changes did you uh, actively make so that you could work towards this $500 a month goal? Well, I mean, the $500 a month goal happened the first week I started selling products on the farm website. So I think right away I was like, okay, 
um, people are, people are interested in this. So it was never a, a just thought for me of like, I don't know, how do I want to, you know, move forward with this? Do I want to really push it? It was just kind of like, I don't know. It's really been three and a half years now of just flying by the seat of my pants mm-hmm. and trying to grow this business and keep up and get ahead and, and all of that. So in the very beginning, I was really excited by the response and it just made me want to work even harder. And, um, you know, as those sales started coming in, I was just reinvesting everything back into the business and was able to save up enough to rebrand. Um, because in the very beginning, one of my friends had just done labels, um, just kind of really quickly for us, which was great to get us off the ground. But once I realized that this was actually working, I just started thinking more creatively and just strategically about what I really wanted the brand to be and the aesthetic I wanted it to have and all of that stuff. Now, this might be a bit ignorant on my part, but I, I wouldn't initially imagine that there's that much of an overlap between like a farm website and a skincare brand. Was there, were you surprised by this? Like what was the, what was the overlap? I think the overlap was the fact that our farm customers are truly like the people that care about their health so much. Like they had to really seek out primal pastures and to, you know, they were, they were on the hunt for a place that they could trust to buy their meat from. So these are people that are willing to pay a premium price for, for health and they really care about their health. So I think just because of that, it was such a good fit. Um, I was also actually using, we use tallow from grass-fed cows in our skincare products. Um, so tallow is like the made from the suet of the animal, the fat of the cow, which is something that our ancestors have used for generations, but um, just isn't used as much anymore. And it's kind of making a comeback now, but it's really good for the skin, super, super nourishing. And so and it goes along with our whole nose to tail philosophy of just using every part of the animal. So I was actually using tallow from our farm. I was rendering it myself and using that in some of our products. So that was another tie in. Got it. Now, do you remember at that time, like how much traffic you're getting to, to the, the farm website? I have no idea. <laughs> that would be an interesting, interesting thing to know. Yeah, it must have been a good amount to have that, again, that overlap plus the $500 a month. So once you, that started happening, you realized that there was demand for, for this product. You mentioned that you were reinvesting back into the business and you said that the first thing you did was to save up or one of the main things you did was to save up to to rebrand. What, what was involved in this rebranding process? Yeah, um, and I'm so thankful to my sister-in-law who really nudged me to rebrand because she has really good taste and has made some key, had some really key insights into just what the look of the brand should be and all of that over the years. So she really pushed me to do that. But, um, I actually found a marketing design agency randomly through a blogger's website who I was following. I was just kind of looking at a lot of different websites at the time at the bottom to see who designed the website because I wanted to redo our website as well. And I was making a bunch of different calls and I had called this agency and they're a husband-wife duo. 
from Ohio, but they actually happened to be the day after I called them, they were like going to be driving up from San Diego to LA and our farm was kind of like in the middle of San Diego and LA. So they ended up stopping by and we totally hit it off and we did a, we entered into a partnership with them for this rebrand and we still work with them on an ongoing basis mm. all the time today. So it was super, super lucky find. So what comes with a, in your case, what, what case, what came with the, the rebranding? It, it sounded like a, a website redesign and a label. Like was, what, what else was involved? Yeah, the, a total website and um, yeah, website redesign. Um, because I think at that point I was like starting to create our new store on my own on Shopify. But once I started and then I was selling from it, but I didn't revamp it until like we had started working with them, which started in August, I think. But yeah, they redid our whole website. Um, Allie, she designed completely, completely new product labels for us. And she's an amazing photographer as well. So she photographed all of the products and just kind of helped us set up a whole new aesthetic for the brand. Mm. Now, if someone out there wants to launch the business, they didn't take too much time thinking about the brand at first, but now they have the time to go back and say, okay, let's relay the foundation and, and brand and recreate the brand. What, what's, what's your involvement when you work with an agency like this? Like, how do you make sure that your direction or your, your, your voice, your messaging that you want to put out there is communicated correctly through the brand? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it's just important to figure out what the agency's process is that that you're choosing. Um, like the agency I work with, I really liked, they kind of walked me through the process in our initial meeting. So that was really helpful for me. Um, they had a questionnaire that I filled out and then I had another call with them where I just kind of in detail told them what I was looking for. I think I set up a Pinterest board so that they could see some of the ideas I had already. And then they, um, Allie went back and just concepted, like she came up with three concepts and then over a Skype call presented them to me. And then during that call, it was like, I don't know, I think it was a three hour call. We just kind of refined these concepts until we had like one that we loved. So we worked together and made tweaks and adjustments until we were super happy with it. And I loved that because I can, it would have been so difficult to go back and forth, back and forth over email for days and weeks, figuring out exactly what the look is that we wanted to achieve. But so she was like redesigning things live as she was getting feedback from you. Yeah. And I was like, just staring at the screen as she was making tweaks. And I mean, it was, it was like a long process, but I think it's, it was, short and painless compared to what it would have been if we would have just done it all over email. Yeah. I mean, now that you explain, you say that it does make a lot of sense that that's the way it probably should be done where you kind of sit down all together and just go through it and reduce that kind of lag time going back and forth. Now, yeah, totally. when it comes to the, the brand, is this something you have to constantly keep changing and keep an eye on or something that you can just create once and then you know, not have to necessarily worry about it for a couple of years? Like what's the approach that's been working for you guys? Yeah. I mean, I think that once we had the foundation, um, 
once you get a foundation that you're super happy with, you can just kind of make small, small tweaks and refine over time. So that's something that's really hard to have a good grasp of and really like be creative and brainstorm with when you're just so deep into the day-to-day stuff. So whenever I have a chance to get away from work or go on a trip or something, that's kind of when those creative wheels start turning for me and when I can take a step back and kind of um, evaluate our brand and the look of our brand and what changes I might want to make going forward. But I mean, for the last, ever since we did the big rebrand, I haven't made any major overhauls to, to the look of our brand. I mean, I've taken new website photos. We like redid our blog because we hadn't gone all out in our blog to begin with. But I mean, those were all kind of minor things. We've made a few minor tweaks on like the spacing of certain things on our labels. But other than that, nothing big. And I, I think I can see this happening that as we continue to grow and as the years continue to go by, I think there's just going to be less and less that we have to, to change because we've already done a lot of that legwork. Mm-hmm. What, what are some things that you've learned during this process to make sure that your brand is crystal clear in your customer's mind, whether it means like specific things that you're doing on the website, specific things that you are placing on the label? Like what have you learned about that, 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 that I guess, making sure that, that the messaging comes through clearly? Yeah. I mean, we just try to be so consistent with what we're putting out there. We, we, like I said, we still work with this agency. So they design a lot of things for us. They design emails for us that we send out to our list. They design graphics for Instagram, um, just all kinds of things. So, I mean, to some people, it might seem like we go a little bit overboard and do too much design. I mean, we could probably do less and send out just plain text emails every once in a while. But I feel like our customers have just come to expect that from us, that we're going to be sending out really branded, nice looking things. So we just try to keep it consistent as much as possible. And like you said, just for the purpose of being easily recognized. And I, I just always like the idea of if someone sees like something of ours, a product or a photo, just for it to be so evident that that's something that that's primarily pure. Mm, so you would be willing to to hold off or move slower, essentially, when it comes to sending out communication through email or social media or on your website to 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 first make sure it's on brand. You'd rather have it on brand than to be, I guess, churning things out quickly. Yeah, I think in the beginning, we probably I was held back by that a little bit more because. I wasn't, I didn't have things as planned out. So if we wanted to send something, like if one day I got an idea and wanted to send something out, I would have to first get that designed and then send it out. And if it was something really important, I would still just send it out in a plain text email. But now we've created a launch calendar for the year and we're pretty well planned out in terms of everything that we'll be sending out in any given month to our email list. And any giveaways we'll be hosting and just big pushes, big focused pushes for each month. So yeah, it's gotten better now that we've been planning ahead a little bit more. Yeah. I think that that's important. Like now you have these templates in place, you know what you need to have in place 
and to to meet these these deadlines that you set up in the the calendar. Can you talk a little about this this uh, calendar that you've created? Is it for product launches or content launches? Like, what are you including in, in your in your calendar? Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. It's been a lifesaver. We've only been using it for I don't know for maybe four or five months now, but it's been awesome. It's we actually had um, a gal from an outside agency create it for us um, who comes from a more corporate background, but she did an awesome job and I'm so grateful because I wouldn't have been able to come up with it on my own, but it's just in Google sheets. We use Google sheets a lot and it's for product launches or if we're like relaunching a product in new packaging, or if we're just doing a promo during that month. And sometimes there's more than one thing going on at a time, but it kind of lays out the big pushes. And then if you click on each one, it takes you to a separate spreadsheet with a 360 degree campaign for that launch. And it, that kind of lists out each team member's part in that launch. And then we cross things out as we get them done. So it lists out like what each team member is responsible for and when it has to be done by. And then we just cross off as mm-hmm. we go. So it sounds like it goes pretty in depth, like this this calendar with like checklists, and you mentioned a three hundred and sixty campaign. Like, what what is that? What, what what's involved in the a product launch? Um, in a product launch, I mean, I think the very first thing is I'm still developing the products. So, and I have a holistic holistic esthetician on my team now who helps with some of that. So but we're still doing all the product development in-house. So that's the very first thing is just deciding on ingredients and a recipe, testing it out, getting feedback, making tweaks until we have a final recipe that we're comfortable with. And then doing like the first run of it. I mean, we'll usually do a ton of test runs, but like the first real run and then sending mailers out to, our affiliates or other influencers and media deciding on what packaging we're going to use for the mailers, um, creating graphics for newsletters that we'll send out about that new product, creating Insta story graphics, um, just ensuring that we have all of the packaging requirements that we need for that new product and ingredients and that kind of stuff. Um, and then, what we're going to send out to our affiliates so that they can share that product with their audiences. So before this calendar, were you, were you guys just like flying by the seat of your pants and just trying to put it all together as you were going? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Now, where does the idea for a new product originate from? How does that even begin the process of, even before you create the, the, the calendar, like what, where does the idea behind a new product launch come from? You know, it used to always come from, like, when I would go on a trip, like, kind of like I was saying earlier, that's when I'm feeling the most apart from the day-to-day stuff, and I can really be creative and think creatively, and so, I mean, I've thought of, I still remember, I was on the beach in Mexico drinking a mojito and thought that it would be great to create a mojito scent of something. And we have a mojito beard oil now that's made with lime essential oil and peppermint essential oil, but just different experiences and things like that will always kind of get my wheels turning. And then more recently, I think a lot of our team members have had really great ideas that I've used and developed into products based on different thoughts and ideas that they've had. But 
yeah, it can come from all sorts of things. Do you have to do any validation or market testing before getting the wheels to, to actually start turning and putting this product into place? Our market testing is really just with all of us on our team, our families, our friends, our community. Um, and we do little focus groups. Sometimes we'll, we're, we will bring a whole bunch of people in and have them try different scents and just kind of get that on the fly, like first reaction type of feedback, which is super helpful. And then we always just send out a lot of product and let people try it for a longer term and then get feedback after that. This is like some kind of like panel of customers that... Yeah, a okay. very like hodgepodge panel of people that, that we know. But it's like, those are the first people that we turn to because we are our target audience and our friends are our target audience and our family members oftentimes are our target audience. So we know that the people that we're having test these products are the people that would be buying them like a hundred percent. Right. So what do you, what do you want to see or hear from the, the, the panel uh, that makes you say, yes, this is a product that we should definitely move forward with. I think if any time that, people come back and start asking like, Oh, I, I ran out. When are you going to start selling it? I, I really need to like keep using it. <laughs> like anytime that happens, then, then I know that, mm-hmm. that that's a good thing. Um, you know, or when people just kind of text or post without, you know, just, just that they've been trying it and loving it. Um, that's always a, a good sign, but we actively, seek out their feedback also and are always following up and asking for their honest feedback. Are there specific questions that you always want to, to ask for, for whenever you are working on a new product? Yeah. I mean, I think just getting a feel for what they think of the texture or consistency of the product, how the product smells and how the product works are probably the three biggest things. Got it. Now, what about like uh, the opposite of this, where there are, are there any red flags or things that you're looking out for to, 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 that will make you decide this is not a direction we want to go in? Yeah. And it's interesting because, I mean, we work with only essential oils to scent our products. We don't use any fragrances or anything like that. So essential oils, obviously they're natural substances. They're not kind of the the chemically smell that a lot of us are used to. So I think that it takes some time for people to adapt to essential oils. And there's some essential oils that just across the board, everyone loves. And there's some that people, especially if you're used to using products that contain fragrance, just kind of, they turn their noses up at So I always want to try to, I mean, I want to pick essential oils based on efficacy, but I also want to kind of stray away from using the ones that just wouldn't appeal to a broad audience. So that's where just getting that initial reaction of like, Oh, or like, yeah, I love that is so helpful whenever we actually bring people in to have them try it in front of us and see what they think. You mentioned that, uh, you also in your, your release calendar, you also look for affiliates and influencers in the media and make sure that they are able to get their hands on the product as well. How, based on your experience, how far ahead of time do you try to get the products out to them to make sure that it's, you know, their opinions or their, their articles or that the press is ready to write about it when you do release? 
Yeah, we've sent things out as far as a month or so in advance if the situation is right. But usually when we do our larger mailings, it'll be a week or so before the product is released, just because we don't want a lot of people posting about it and then a month to go by and for consumers to forget about it. And then all of a sudden it's launched, but like no one really remembers that it, that they were waiting for it. So we always want to just kind of drum up excitement in the week or so before the launch and then put it out there so that people can just buy it right away. Makes sense. So well, what did you find these influencers and affiliates? So that's really how Primally Pure has grown primarily. I mean, we, we didn't, do any paid advertising for the first two and a half years we were in business. So we were just working with, um, or just getting customers through word of mouth and then just working with influencers, um, sending them product. And a, a lot of times they would post about it and we would see really good results from that. And then when the Instagram algorithm started changing, that just kind of dropped off a little bit. So now we're doing more with um, Facebook ads and we've had an affiliate program where we pay a commission um, based on sales that the influencer refers, which has done great. And now we're just engaging in a few more paid sponsorships as well with different influencers, like flat rate paid sponsorships. So are these mostly through Instagram or like other channels at this point? Mostly Instagram. Um, and then we we work with influencers that have you know, we like to, to work with influencers that have a blog as well as an Instagram account that they're consistent with, but a lot of them are just Instagram as well. But why is that important to do? Why is the blog uh, important? Um, I like blog posts, especially if it's a reputable blog that people are consistently visiting, um, just because that content lives there forever and it's always linking back to our site. So we've had some influencers years ago that posted about us that we're still getting traffic from. So I think anyone that has, has had a blog for a long time that they're consistent with and that they, and who has a community that's consistently engaging with their blog. That's like, that's always amazing. Yeah. So I think you, you definitely would know this where there are great influencers and the influencers that appear to be great. And one of the keys that you look for is that blog and that there's a community around that blog. Are there other things that you look for to identify whether an influencer is going to be a good fit and actually will end up, you know, driving customers to you? Yeah. We spend a lot of time on this because I mean, influencer marketing is just a huge part of how our business has grown and continues to be a huge part of it. So we're, we spend a lot of time just vetting people and deciding who we want to bring in and bring into our community. But, um, we look for, I mean, following, we look at that, but that's definitely not the end all be all. We look at engagement. Um, we kind of, just think about like, is this someone that we would personally want to follow or like, are we actually interested in what they're putting out there for the world to see? Do we think that our community would also be interested in, in what they're putting out there? Um, so just kind of the quality of content that they're providing, I guess. Um, are they, are they engaging in an authentic way? Are they 
like, do they seem authentic? And that's, that's just a huge thing for us. Like, um, are they a trustworthy person? Are they likable? Are they really connecting in a meaningful way with, with their community? Um, so that's huge. And then when looking at new influence influencers now, we like to see if they're already promoting other brands, um, because not all influencers do. So if we see that they're working with other brands and if those brands are kind of in line with our values, then it's just usually a slam dunk. Got it. Now, what do you consider an account that has uh, great engagement? Like, what, what are you looking at? Are, is it the likes? Is it the comments? Like, is there a certain ratio that you even look at? Yeah, I mean, we don't get super technical with it, but we just like to see that if their engagement matches up with their following. So, I mean, sometimes we'll get emails from accounts that have like hundreds of thousands of followers. But if you look in their comments, I mean, maybe they have 20 comments on a picture, but they're all spam comments. I see. So you're looking to just to make sure they're not fake followers or yeah. accounts of fake followers. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Now, how many influencers do you or affiliates do you work with today? Um, we have 175 affiliates right now. Yeah, so that's not a small amount. How do you make sure that you're going to manage the relationship with 175 affiliates? Yeah, so we actually, we used to use a, an affiliate program called iDev, and I was the one managing that. We only had about 48 affiliates in the system at that time, and I didn't have the capacity to work with anymore, so I just kind of kept it small. And then, but it was a huge chunk of our sales. So I knew we had to grow it. So just a few months ago, we hired on a new gal who's completely taken over our affiliate program. We moved it to another platform called Refersion and it integrates so well with Shopify. So we love it. And that's, I mean, her main priority responsibility of her job is just to um, seek out new affiliates and to work with our existing affiliates and try to help them grow their affiliate businesses with us got it now you mentioned that due to changes in the algorithm instagram influencers are still a big part of your your uh, marketing and sales channel but you now want to supplement it with facebook ads can you tell us a little about your strategy there yeah and yeah it we like you said have been just primarily growing through influencers not paying for anything and with facebook ads we've really been able to continue on with our growth, the same sort of growth we had been seeing in the past, but we just have to pay a little bit for it now. Um, and for that, our, the agency we work with is really great. We don't have to do a whole lot ourselves, so we're not really digging into Facebook ads and working with it a ton, but they just kind of give us tips on what photos are doing really well. They, they like to turn just our existing posts into ads, the ones that are performing well. So I just meet with them a few times a month and get their insights on what types of photos and what types of captions perform the best when they're turned into ads. And then we just try to do more of that. And based on your experience, is there a rule of thumb that you're now following to make sure that there are certain types of photos that you're producing that tend to do better than others? Yeah. So any photos of our team tend to do really well. Um, I I think that that just helps to build trust with people when we show photos of us making the product because that's pretty rare for a skincare company to continue to make all their products in-house. It's just not something that we're willing to outsource and 
possibly compromise quality. So just seeing photos of our team in action, making products, um, with our story, our brand story being told, um, that kind of stuff does really well. Actually, um, our guy was saying how photos with a girl smiling, holding a product always do really well. <laughs> so <laughs> the same thing. We, really, <laughs> that's funny. So we try to post that kind of thing here and there too, as much as we can. But yeah, I think those are the main things. Got it. So I'll talk a little bit about the the way that you are able to price your products. I think um, looking at the, the catalog, the prices range from $4 up to about $48. What's the thought process there? How do you determine when you're about to release a new product, how do you determine like what is the, the right price point to offer it at? Yeah, um, we just kind of look at, we look at some of the competition. Um, we We believe that we um, the products we create are of higher quality than a lot of our competitors, especially in the natural deodorant space. Um, just because we use all organic ingredients, certified organic ingredients, we really truly don't cut any corners. So, um, because of that, our cost is a little bit higher. And I also think that our customers understand that. So we we're a little bit higher when it comes to, especially our natural deodorant, Um, and then with everything else, we just kind of look at the numbers on what, what has to, what we have to price it at in order for it to make sense for us to sell and don't go like higher than we need to, but just kind of what, what is going to allow us to continue to be in business and sell this product in a way that makes sense for us. When you are... Because because there are those values that you want to make sure that you you keep to, which obviously will drive up the the cost of the product. How do you make sure that you're communicating that to your your customers so they understand why there might be a more premium pricing on your products versus you know something they can buy you know in, in a in, just in a random store? Yeah, I think we we try to talk about that a lot over Instagram. Um, just what sets us apart. We have a blog connected to our store that. We just try to educate our customers a little bit more in depth on, um, and not in a salesy way and not really super focused around our products, but within whatever topic we're writing about, we also try to tie in, you know, that this product that we sell that maybe is a better alternative than, than this one that you might be using, um, is better because of X, Y, and Z. And then we just kind of try to lay it out that way. But Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, we're not super in your face about it, but we just kind of try to take different angles on educating customers about what sets us apart through Instagram, product descriptions, blogs, stories, all that kind of stuff. And have the values changed over time as you've gone to learn more about your customers or do you, have you stuck to the same values from the beginning? Yeah, our values I mean, have not changed at all. Um, the only time we'll use a non-organic ingredient is when the orga- organic ingredient is no longer available or if we can't source it at the amount that we need to in order to fill a product. But I mean, in that case, we're always transparent about it and we won't ever obviously mark anything as organic if it's not. Um, but we we always will choose the organic ingredient over conventional if it's available. Um, and that's just something 
that will never change about us. Mm. When you are sitting down to to or at least initially to to redesign the the website, were there certain things that you wanted to make sure it was included on, on the website or certain pages that you definitely wanted to include? Like what was the thought process when you sat down to, to, to create that your store or website? Um, I think in the very beginning, we just wanted it to look a lot nicer and I wanted the product pages just to be super clear and to the point and not have a ton of distractions um, like a ton of like random buttons or just weird, like random bits of information, um, for it to just be really clear, really simple. And that was kind of the goal in the beginning. And then as we've gone along, we actually just added a page to our site all about our deodorant. Um, because that's something that I do just want to educate people on as to why our deodorant is different because it is more expensive. But like I was saying earlier, we truly believe it's the best option out there. So we created a landing page, um, just solely about our deodorant. We even have a comparison chart on it that compares it to other leading natural deodorant brands and kind of just outlines, um, the categories that ours really exceeds the competition in, um, so it, and that was really fun to create. So I think it's awesome. Anytime you really want to get a point across to create a separate landing page just for that purpose. And it's great to drive ads too, as well. We drive a lot of deodorant ads to this page because there's shop links from here and there's links to other blog posts with even more information from here, but it's just a great central location for everything deodorant related to live. Yeah, I also like the feature or the page on your site that's the deodorant quiz that that, mm-hmm. that they can take. Yeah. Tell, tell us how this quiz helps you. It looks like it's helping to to build your email list, but tell the audience if they, they obviously they can't see it right now, but tell us how <laughs> this quiz works. Yeah, the quiz, I'm, I've been really excited about the quiz. It's been great for us. Um, so it's just kind of a fun way for people to figure out which of our deodorants is the best fit for their lifestyle. So you started and it kind of asks you, it's only six or seven questions, but it asks you kind of silly things like, would you rather be gallivanting through a meadow, working out, relaxing at a spa or going shopping or like your theme song is X, Y, or Z. So just kind of fun questions about your interests and hobbies. And then based on that, we kind of created these personas for each deodorant of what we think each, um, each deodorant would be like if, if that deodorant was like attached to a person and you get your results and then you enter your email to see your results and it takes you to a landing page with your results. And then we also have an email sequence set up for each one. And so everyone that takes the quiz, just, we just try to serve them with information on what to expect when switching to natural deodorant, you know, why switch to natural deodorant, um, reviews and feedback on our natural deodorant so just connecting them with other people that have tried it and what they liked about it um so that's been awesome that's just like a really cool to know that that's just kind of running and people are taking it as they visit our website and are just kind of being served with all this information because it is a topic that people tend to have so many questions about yeah, do you do you know the conversion rate for the email sign up with the the quiz like the, the way that you've created it? Um, I, that's a good question. I know 
like the amount of money that we've brought in from each person that has gone through and taken it. Um, and it's like not a ton, it's like less than a dollar per person, but we've had quite a few people go through it. And those are just the people that have clicked on the links and bought right away. Got it. Well, what kind of software or application did you use to create this? We used a website called Interact. So it's, I think the website is like tryinteract.com mm-hmm. and it just integrates. I mean, you, I think you just have to enter some code into Shopify to get it to be embedded into your site. Um, and, and if you don't want to do that, it can just, you can just link it to the interact page quiz page and it'll just take people from your site over to their site to take the quiz. But we kind of like the idea of having it be embedded and just be a super seamless experience. Mm-hmm. Do you use any other applications on the, the website, on the store website? We use Refersion. So that is a plugin. Is that the same mm-hmm. thing? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that has been great for our affiliate program. We use the Bold Recurring Orders plugin because um, we have a deodorant subscription program. Mm-hmm. So that one has been awesome. We just launched that a few months ago. Um, those are the bigger ones that we use. We are, we also use one called Ultimate Special Offers for whenever we're doing a promotion. And that one's actually pretty cool. I don't know if it's very like well-known, but um, it's been great. We've been using it for years, and it just allows you to create promos like spend $75 and get a free lemongrass deodorant and it'll just automatically have that added to someone's cart once they reach the $75 limit. And when they, when they're close to it, it'll say spend X amount more to get a free lemongrass deodorant. And that one always does great for us whenever we do promos. Yeah, you're actually the second store owner that I heard in a row that's mentioned this application. Oh, really? So it must be it might be new or something. I don't know. I don't oh, know, funny. but it definitely sounds like uh, a great addition to to try to try to drive up that average order value, uh, yeah, average card value. It. So I think it makes a lot of sense. So for anyone that wants to check out the uh, the quiz, which I highly recommend, I don't see too many people doing this, and it's like front and center on your on the website too. I think it's a great way to get customers into your your funnel and get them to learn more about you. Go to primallypure.com, P-R-I-M-A-L-L-Y-P-U-R-E.com. Thank you so much for your time, Bethany. So what, what kind of other products, what kind of other releases can you tell us about that, that the audience can look forward to? We're actually coming out with a new deodorant next month. It's going to be a blue tansy deodorant, so it has a light blue tint to it. Um, but we are super excited about it. It's anti-inflammatory, so it's great for anyone that experiences irritation in that in the underarm area, um, and it smells really, really nice. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for your time, Bethany. Thanks, Felix. Here's a sneak peek for what's in store in the next Shopify Masters episode. Having some popular products sell out every now and then and uh is you know people realize like oh i should have got that when i could it it creates it creates a type of demand thanks for listening to shopify masters the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs to start your store today visit shopify.com slash masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial also for this episode's show notes head over to shopify.com slash blog